Hello, and welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and we have a guest today on the podcast, and this is the newest member of Novera Headache Center right here in Colorado Springs. This is uh, Novera Headache Center. For those of you who maybe are not aware, is the actual clinic that we work out of and see people. Uh, and we have Kelsey Mathias, who's our newest therapist. So she is joining us on this journey to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you all can break free from a life of fear of your next headache and migraine and dependence on medication and thriving in everything that you want to do. And on today's podcast, we're going to pull some of Kelsey's expertise and background in pelvic health and women's health as she had uh, part of her career in that area and actually saw a connection between that and migraines. And just the past week that she's been here, we've been able to have some breakthroughs with some patients, and it's been a lot of fun. So Kelsey, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. All right. So what what we're going to do with this podcast, now if you are a male and you're listening to this, um, there will likely be some some nuggets that you'll pull out. But I want you to be thinking that if your if your spouse or someone that you know that might be in that that mommy stage of maybe they're pregnant, maybe they they have a newborn, uh, that stage of life is what this we're going to be speaking directly to um, migraines and headaches uh, around that stage of life. And so if you know someone that uh, that is going through that uh, that period of time and has headaches or migraines. Uh, then this this podcast needs to be shared with them, and we want you to pass that on. But listen in because you likely at some point will have a conversation or you'll know someone that uh, will need this information. We all have pelvic floors, and we all have uh, necks, and we all have an experience with pain, and we're, we're going to hit on those things in this podcast. So it's going to be helpful for everyone, but specifically women that are in their sort of childbearing years and starting to have kids and thinking about what what do I do when I can't take medication and what what should I expect when I'm in pregnancy and after pregnancy when I start to um, nurse my child or just take care of kiddos and tension and all these questions surrounding having a child. So we want to um, start to answer some of those. So before we jump into sort of the nitty gritty of that, what I want to do is, is, uh, tell you a story. And this is a story of no one in particular, but just the type of person that we see over and over because, so I have two little kiddos. I have a a two year old and an eight month old. And my, my wife puts a lot of love and care. We, we both do. Um, she fortunately is able to stay home and, and take care of them, but it takes a lot to be a mom. And thank God she does, she does not suffer with headaches and migraines. But what we see often is is these women that when they were in middle school or even pre-middle school, they, they started to get these headaches and potentially they would uh, creep up into what was a more debilitating migraine where they couldn't go to school. And so they, they went from taking frequent trips to the nurse's office to then having to go see a neurologist. And at a young age, that's kind of scary. Parents don't know what to do. The neurologist might prescribe a medication. Maybe there's some imaging done just to rule out anything more severe. But then the, you're left with um, maybe a, a pill bottle, some prescription. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. 
the migraines at that time maybe are not frequent enough for you to really feel like you need to pursue it further. And since you didn't get an answer, that motivation might not be there to, to continue to search. And so you go through life, you'll have phases where they're better, maybe worse. And college rolls around, you're studying, you're in the library a lot, and maybe they ramp up. A lot of people find that where they, they're they're in a stressful time. You got finals, you're trying to make it through whatever classes you have. You have a degree that's challenging, and these migraines can ramp up. And then you're thinking, okay, I got to go into my career, and I've got to I've got to have a career and a desk job or or whatever it is. And you're and you're intimidated by this idea of having to go through life with these debilitating migraines, and you're just hoping that you have another year or or period of respite or that they'll just go away and so but thinking about that pressure you you then go to seek out a neurologist again because surely there's an answer and so you seek out another neurologist and again they they just take you down this road of medication so you try them because you're thinking okay this will work there has to be an answer but i don't want to take the medication long term and at this point you're starting to see that it is impacting your life you've got to take PTO days, sick days, you, you're not being able to spend the time the way you want it, and you're, you're holding these pill bottles close to you. Well, fast forward, and you, you get married, and you start thinking about kids, and, and not only are you emotionally drained because of the pain and, and the other commitments you have, but you're thinking, well, how am I, I going to raise kiddos? How am I going to have children if I don't feel like I'm healthy? Now you prioritize your health and you care about your health, you exercise and you you try to do things that are healthy, but these headaches or migraines have just weighed you down and you feel like you can't find an answer to them. And so you're delaying having children maybe. You you are so intimidated by that thought of, of bringing these, these kids in the world that you have to care for that you can't emotionally um, even care for yourself right now. How, how are you going to do that? And then again, if the medication does help, when you're pregnant, you can't keep taking it. So you're going to have nine months of who knows what that will feel like. And so you take the risk and you, um, you get pregnant and you have a child and, and you, start to, you start to nurse the child, you care for the child, and it's this loving, caring thing, that's, and it's great. But you have tension in your shoulders and your neck and you feel like you're always dealing with a headache or a migraine that's about to start. And again, you don't know where to turn. You're, you went off your medication during the pregnancy, but now that you uh, are, are well, maybe you're breastfeeding now and you still have to consider medication. But uh, if you're not, you go back on it and you think, well, I don't want to go back on this. I don't want this to be a long-term thing and I need to be there for my kids. And, uh, and, and then each stage of life just feels, well, when is this ever going to go away? And so that's, that's a kind of the bleak picture, unfortunately, that we see that our healthcare system takes that individual and just does not provide them with one, the source of what is happening or a solution to that, because we need to have the source of the problem to then find the solution. So what we want to do on today's podcast is speak directly to that individual so that we can provide you with some answers. Although we can't fix the problem directly through this podcast, we can give you some insight and actions you can take to make steps in the right direction. All right. So Kelsey, let's talk about pregnancy. So that individual 
the soon-to-be mom is thinking about when I get pregnant, how will my experience with migraines change potentially, if it will at all? Yeah, I mean, pregnancy actually kind of brings good news for a lot of women when it comes to headaches and migraines. You know, about 15 to 20% of women have migraines, and over 50% of women report that their migraines actually get better and occur less often as pregnancy progresses. And, And that's in part because estrogen, as pregnancy goes on, increases and has a little bit of a protective factor against pain and headaches and migraines. So there's some relief, which is kind of a nice breath for women to take thinking about pregnancy and headed into pregnancy. Yeah. 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 So 15 to 20% of, of pregnant women have migraines, which mm-hmm. is kind of a significant number. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the 50% that uh, will report it's going to occur less often. That is, that is a kind of a breath of fresh air for them. Yeah. All right. So what about estrogen and what, what's the natural, like what's a change in estrogen levels through pregnancy and, and how might that impact someone with migraines? Yeah. So estrogen, um, you might actually notice it before pregnancy around your period times, women that have period that when they have migraines, they might get worse as estrogen drops. And in pregnancy, it has the reverse effect. So while we're pregnant, as we reach the third trimester, our estrogen actually progressively increases. And so women who are pregnant often find that as pregnancy progresses and they get into that third trimester, their migraines and headaches lessen and lessen because of that reverse effect. Yeah. Yeah. And so women aren't necessarily, they're not able to take their regular prescription medication. Um, but because of that estrogen level ramping up as a protectant, it, it, um, oftentimes pregnancy is a respite, um, which is a really good thing. And so if, if you're not wanting to go through pregnancy, uh, potentially because you're worried about not being able to take your medication, um, we would say you don't necessarily have to have that fear. All right, so they they go through the pregnancy, um, and they're thinking about the the delivery process and stress on their body. Um, what potential impact might that have, like shoulders, neck, and then what do they consider following, like the actual delivery? Um, leading up, th- there is some slight potential if we're feeling nervous or anxious going up into delivery for tension to build and and for some headaches to come as a result from that. And then that postpartum phase is when it's really common um, in practice to see headaches come back. There's a steep drop off in estrogen immediately postpartum in those first few weeks. So you kind of lose that protective factor. And then to add on top of that, you're lacking sleep which can contribute to tension. Maybe you're not paying as much attention to hydration as you should be. and, and maybe you're ta- having more caffeine, which can sometimes contribute to headaches. So all of these factors and nursing a baby with your shoulders rounded can increase that tension level um, and contribute to headaches. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, so if you think about during pregnancy, the, the, the changes that the mother will go through as far as, you know, you're, you're carrying this weight in front of you, which then will naturally increase the, the lordosis, the curvature of your low back. Um, and your body will, will kind of adjust to that, um, compensate in a way that likely your shoulders will be forward and your head will be forward. And these are things that we commonly see. Almost everyone, every patient we have is going to present with somewhat of a forward shoulder, forward head effect. And adding 
pregnancy on top of that might amplify that. So the stresses on the body um, definitely could increase during pregnancy. And then um, you have this during the delivery process, you have a lot of like maybe a potentially like a Valsalva maneuver, you know, you're, you're pushing, you're bearing down and whether that's, you know, the appropriate way to, to push out a child or not, I guess is not for this conversation, but, uh, it's just a lot of stress is the point. It's a mm-hmm. lot of stress. And, uh, I think Janet, my wife even had like a, she like popped a few blood vessels. She chipped a tooth, you know, it was just like this whole thing and, uh, definitely increased the amount of stress and tension through her neck and shoulders during the delivery process. Uh, but yeah, let's, it's probably postpartum where women could probably do some things to, to help. Mm-hmm. And so what should they think about and what are some things that they can potentially change to decrease stress in their neck and shoulders? Um, I do want to give one little small caveat immediately postpartum. There's about a week long period where if you're having extreme headaches, especially if paired with high blood pressure, um, call your OBGYN. There's just a couple of things, um, that are kind of emergency medical situations. But outside of those things that happen almost immediately postpartum, um, we're looking, there's a lot that you can do to help mitigate the tension that builds up. And so basics, watching your caffeine, making sure you have water with you at all times, um, getting sleep when you can, (laughs) that's always a tough one, Um, getting help from those around you, making sure you're still feeding yourselves, like those basic level of things. And then when we're talking about posture, postpartum and we're talking about how we hold and carry our bodies you spend so much time postpartum feeding a child and whether that's bottle feeding or breastfeeding the posture is pretty similar and so being able to have a pillow under the baby supporting a pillow under or an armrest under your arm supporting let yourself be held up by something else when you're breastfeeding so that you're not having to generate tension in your neck and shoulders to help keep the baby up. It's okay to let something else support you in that time. Yeah. 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 I I love that. I mean, the, like our son, he, he, he's on the thicker side. He's got these thighs. I mean, he, he, uh, yeah, he's, he's a healthy kid. Right. And so, um, carrying around all day like my wife gets tired it's a it's a workout it's a shoulder workout um and so yeah baby wearing what is what does that look like i mean what are people what's a mom using to wear their baby (laughs) (laughs) um so when we're carrying our babies around and this is such like a mom thing you're you're doing multiple things at once so you're washing dishes you're doing all these things while holding a baby oftentimes we tend to prefer one side tension can build up on that side and so you can use baby wearing there's wraps there's like the ergo there's like a more structured holder versus a more wrap style hold that you can use and from a tension perspective i don't have a preference for one versus the other it's more how you have it set up and so these are devices or wraps that you use so that you are hands-free which is a fantastic thing for a mom it does go on the shoulder and so there's potential for pressure buildup there but if you have it set up appropriately and there's some great people like here in Colorado Springs and local places that are baby wearing communities where you can go in person and they can show you how to wear your baby to help reduce the tension and pressure on your neck and shoulders it's pretty fantastic yeah baby wearing community Yes. It sounds fascinating. It's a thing. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's look at postpartum, 
pelvic floor health and how that might connect to headaches and migraines? So I got my start in pelvic floor therapy immediately after school and really quickly saw that a lot of my patients with pelvic pain also had headaches and migraines. And so I like dove into the, the literature and found that 70% of women with pelvic pain also have headaches and migraines. And so in this postpartum phase, we have this tension coming from our neck, head, shoulders, from just the lifestyle of being a mom. But then your pelvic floor goes through a lot postpartum. And there's a fascial, like connective tissue line from the base of your skull all the way down to your pelvic floor that like we, we know that when we're tense and tight in our jaw, we're more likely to be tense and tight in our pelvic floor, which is something we, we don't want. <laughs> and we're a lot more likely to experience postpartum. And so being able to address, like throughout my years of practice, seeing some of my patients who are seeing for a pelvic floor telling me they got headache and neck and shoulder relief when I never touched there. Hmm. And then on the opposite end, I had some patients who did not want pelvic floor direct work yet because it was too sensitive for them at that point in time where I did some neck and shoulder work and they still got relief from their pelvic pain. They got relief from constipation and their IBS symptoms. And so it's so intricately connected. And in that postpartum phase, when we're at a little bit of an elevated risk to experience both, um, there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go back through just some of the basic questions. Yeah. Like what is the pelvic floor and why is it important? So the pelvic floor is at the base of your pelvis. It kind of goes from the front of your pubic bone back to your tailbone, your coccyx, and then your sits bones are also known as your ischial tuberosities. All that is is fancy terms. It's a hammock of muscles at the base of your pelvis where your baby gets pushed through <laughs> and where your poop comes out for layman's terms and where like urine control is, which are all things that moms can definitely relate to and having to um, control and sometimes having to focus on controlling more. Um, yeah, that, that's what the pelvic floor is. And it helps with all those things, not just the baby pushing, but yeah. support too. And so the having pelvic floor pain, mm -hmm. um, where would that pain stem from? So in the postpartum phase specifically, it's really common to get pain from tearing. Yeah. So like vaginal tearing is really common, episiotomies. Um, and so you might postpartum, like or immediately after having the baby, they're like, oh, you had a grade one tear, or you had a grade three tear. If you had a grade three or grade four, you're, you're talking surgical at that point. Um, but there's scar tissue. And that scar tissue pulls and can tighten. Oftentimes scars heal tighter <laughs> rather than loose. And so that tension can build up in that pelvic floor. Also, sometimes when we've had a baby and we've had no, um, no tearing, our muscles just react after to being stretched out so far having the baby. They tense up and tighten up as a response. And so it can happen even when there's no structural damage to the tissue. Yeah, so that response, that tightening, mm -hmm. how, how does that then translate? I mean, you mentioned that tissue, yeah. but what, what do you see happen in the rest of the body? So um, this is where the vagus nerve comes into play. So the vagus nerve is part of the parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and digest. And it goes up into the, like, comes from the neck and goes all the way down and feeds into our organs. And so when we, including, like, into the pelvic floor, related to the pelvic floor, so when we get tension there, it's sending signals up the vagus nerve into the head and neck. 
And so there's a direct correlation, and we will oftentimes see overflow in tension, maybe starting, it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg, but in the pelvis, if it starts in the pelvis, we can get overflow tension into our neck and our shoulders. Yeah. And so what's, what's the likelihood, do you see patients where they, they maybe develop headaches after they deliver, or maybe they just ramp up? Yeah, I've seen both. Both, Um, yeah. I, I see a lot of, I had no headache history whatsoever. And it's like all of a sudden postpartum, I get headaches all the time. And, and most frequently, those are people who had some kind of pelvic trauma that I'm seeing. And so they've had something happen to the pelvis when they're in delivery, a lot of times tearing, maybe they have prolapse, which is when the organs start to sag a little bit. Um, and they, they feel that pressure or pain and then will get headaches after. And so when those, when that's the source of the headache, then treating the pelvic floor can actually help treat the headache. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an amazing thing. I mean, the connection that, that our body has, I mean, one system impacts the other. We talk about all these different systems. We've had these guests on the podcast that whether it's inflammation, uh, their visual system, our, uh, our airway and how that impacts. I mean, all of these things have to be functioning. And so that's, that's our goal is applying a more holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And when we say holistic, um, just think like we step outside of, of symptom management to, to understand the underlying cause. And so that's why I'm really thankful you're here at Novera and we'll continue to utilize you and your information on the podcast, because I think this, this is an area that's again, untapped. Mm -hmm. And so these moms that then are going to have this sort of trauma that need restoration and and therapy for their pelvic floor, that's also impacting their headaches. We we might capture them here because they come in for headaches. And then it's like, well, have we thought about what the impact from your pelvic floor could be? And then we get into people feeling better all around, which mm-hmm. is which is a really cool thing. Yeah. Um, so we'll continue this conversation on future podcasts because there's a lot more questions here. But uh, that's all we have for today. I want you guys to subscribe to this podcast. Write us a five-star review if you uh, appreciate what you're doing and if this has helped you. Thank you for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast where it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do.